Good morning. Good morning, Los Angeles. And may Riverside. I say good forning. Yes, good forning. Yes. Riverside.fm does not give a flying four about the number four because we get a little countdown before we start recording and it goes five, three, two, <laughs> one. And it's Usually it does. It, it did it did it it did for me on my end. Did yours say four? I, I got a four for the first time. I got oh, a four. Wow, look at that. Gosh, magic is we're, happening. Magic is real, everybody. Magic we're is growing. Real. Welcome. Hi, I'm Kenny Stevenson. I'm Alex Enriquez, and I believe in magic. And this is fan controlled fandom. What is fan controlled fandom? It is the cape space. We are talking about content where people wear capes, superheroes wear capes. People fighting dragons and hobbits. People, hobbits don't fight, but hobbits wear capes. And, uh, you know, uh, people in space wear capes. People in manga comics wear capes, but adaptations of those manga or manga, however you pronounce it, surprisingly don't wear capes. But we're still going to talk about it because we're talking anime for the first time ever. And we're talking about the movie Knights of the Zodiac based on the anime and manga Alex, how are you? Doing well. Uh, very, uh, very early turnaround for for after we saw this movie kind of late last night. Yeah, we saw this movie Doing okay, last though. night. We were this movie, and it was, yeah, we'll get into it, but we have to get into the quick hits first, the quick pieces of nerd news. Point to the sky, play the stinger. Quick, 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 quick hits. hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never That's, fails to entertain. Never. Our, our first piece of merch has to be a t-shirt and like whatever the main image is, they're on the back. It has a hashtag point to the sky. Hashtag point to the sky. That sounds like some like ridiculous uh inspirational quote, which I'm here for. But you know, or like, it could be it could be something the that the uh the QAnon people are using to signal themselves. Sure. Point to the sky. Sure. The great America comeback or whatever <laughs> Rano said yesterday. Blah. Anyway, in the pieces of nerd news, again, the Writers Guild is currently on strike. Pay the writers residuals. Don't have AI right for writers. Our union is currently voting to authorize our own strike. When And the DGA is currently negotiating with the AMPTP. What does all this mean? This means that there isn't a ton of things in production right now. So there isn't a ton of news. We do have some like speculative stuff. We have some casting stuff. We've got stuff because stuff, some things are shooting. Some things are like, you know what? That script is locked. We we're not going to write anything. I'm sure in one of these properties, I'm going to mention that shooting. I'm sure they're improvising on set. (laughs) So to, to get a little inside baseball with people who perhaps don't know uh, the particulars of this, there's three major unions that are on the cusp of striking, and they can operate without the, the writers, writers to them. The Writers Guild is striking. They can operate without the writers, as Kenny mentioned. If the actors go on strike, they can even operate without the actors per se through reality television and uh, news, live news, and sporting events. But if the directors strike, nothing happens. And that's the real danger for the AMPTP, so much so that it, I've posited to my friends that our 
three union collective action could wind up breaking their union, which would be amazing if like Disney and Apple split off and said, we're making our own. Here's our numbers. We don't care. We're making our own deal because Apple's a computer company and Disney's a real estate and lifestyle brand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, David Zasloff, Warner is is they make shows about home renovations and like they are like Zasloff is like, bro. I live for this, you know, well, what I'm, I mean, 14 more naked and afraid that I'm shooting by. And, and I mean, yes, but he can't withstand a director's strike. The no. other, what I was trying to say is that these other companies and Amazon too, they have whole other income streams upon which to rely. The entertainment yep. product can be what it is because they can, they can afford to take the loss on it that Netflix used to be able to, when they started in the game, Netflix was losing like $4 billion a year on original programming. Yep, they're just just tossing money away, but that was because, you know, the idea is to build up these platforms to where there is just a, because once the content is on the platform, it lives on the platform and you just need to get content on there. However, we are now operating in a world where these platforms are removing things from the platform. So, which is another reason why we need to pay writers and creatives because, you know, residuals is something that most people used to rely pretty handily on for a writing job and um, streaming residuals are not much but when you take a show like say for instance willow has been removed from is being removed from disney plus whether you think it was a good show or not we've got plenty of episodes of our own show detailing how we felt about that show but it deserves a fair shot yes and now the people who worked on that show the writers the directors the actors all of the union people who, well, below the line people don't get residuals, but above the line people do. And all those people are now not going to get any money. And it's like, I'm sure you're thinking like, oh, boo-hoo to these actors. But, you know, yes, maybe some of the name actors in that show don't need those residuals. But that person who was a day player or that person who did a couple of days here or a guest star, those that, that stuff is important. And you can't just what? overlook that stuff. To, to give people a sense and just to get even deeper into baseball, uh, and sorry about that. Go so deep into the baseball. We'll get to quick hits. This is all quick hits. The residual <laughs> the residuals marketplace used to be such that there was a bar in the Valley called Residuals, and it was just yes. a normal bar. But the joke there was if you came in with a residual check that was less than $1, they'd give you a free drink. Because it was so novel and rare. I mean, residual checks have been around forever, but one less than a dollar, hardy har har. Well, I mean, maybe 2005, they had to stop doing that because yeah. the less than a dollar residual check was ubiquitous. Yeah, I get checks for, I did one episode. I've done 10 episodes of network television across four or five shows. I can't remember. Four, 10? Yeah, that's, no, 12 episodes. Look at me. And um, sick flex, bro. And but I did one episode of Hawaii <laughs> Five O, and I get like dollar twelve residual checks from Hawaii Five O because of a streaming residual, and it's just like this check is worth less than the piece of almost as much as the piece of paper it's printed on. It's just. Well, they want to push you to direct deposit. Everybody wants direct deposit, which I get and I is good. But but let me sidetrack into the most important part of this. You were on Hawaii Five O. Did you have to go to Hawaii? This is great. Yes, I did. Dude, it was, wait. It was the best. When? Was what? When? 
This was uh, 2019. It was season nine. So they did, no, season eight. They did 10 seasons of Hawaii Five-0. No, I was in season nine. I was in season nine. And um, which, by the way, you get into the ninth season of a, of a procedural. They are, they're doing all kinds of goofy stuff. It is not, we're not just like, it's not just like bank robbery anymore. It's like dog. The bounty hunter is, is on the show. And it's just the, so the shark they jumped in season five is now like the lead detective. Basically. Yeah. And it's great. I went over there. I, and this was like the other shows that I've been on, like Brooklyn nine, nine or parks and rec, like Brooklyn nine, nine, I specifically knew a writer on the show. So there was a little bit of, you know, not specific nepotism, but a little help, a little push. I just went in and booked this like guest star. I very rarely even read for guest stars. And it was like, went in, auditioned. They, I flew out to Hawaii, did one day of like paperwork, like got in because they're two hours, three hours behind when we're in out. They don't have daylight savings. So went there, they were three hours, got there at like 10 in the morning, like filled out paperwork. And they were like, okay, you're good for tomorrow. Had like the whole rest of the day. And then they have a deal at the, they had a deal. I'm assuming most CBS shows there, the NCIS Hawaii probably has the same deal. They had a deal with like the Marriott, like right on the beach in Waikiki. That one that has like the big rainbow mural on the outside. Yeah, I think I've stayed there. Yeah, so you stay there and then I was there and then I shot for a day. And um, the day was like, I only really shot with Jorge Garcia, who was... um, the only, and then it was me, Jorge Garcia, and two other people. And normally, when you shoot on a show, and this when I've done like Brooklyn Nine Nine or Parks, I'm shooting with five or six other actors, and you barely you get like a hello, and that's it. But we just like hung out with Jorge Garcia all day because it was like three scenes all in this convenience store in Hawaii. And then it was great. And then they were like, "Okay, do you want to fly out in the morning or in the afternoon?" I was like, "I definitely don't want to fly out in the morning." So. <laughs> yeah. They booked me a flight at like seven thirty, so I just got like a whole other day in in Oahu. It was great. It was that, one of the coolest experiences ever, dude. You gotta like the best thing is to book one of those roles on a something that shoots outside the TMZ where they got to put you up. Because like Kenny, tell the people about that flight. What are we talking? Well, here's the deal. It used to be SAG. Used to be. If you flew anywhere over a thousand miles, I had to fly you first class. And that is still the case. However, that's that's it's if business class isn't available on the flight. So if there's business class, you fly business class, but there wasn't business class on my flight out there. So I flew first class on CBS's dollar, and it was like the cool first class. Like, you know, something like I never fly first class. I flew first class on the way back and it was basically like a little bit of leg room, but it was the same thing on the way out there. It was like those like sleeper chairs that like recline all the way back and like personal TV and like a glass of champagne when you sit down and like an ice cream sundae with your dinner. And it Mm. was ridiculous. And Mm. that's, that's part of being in the union and that's part of the perks that we get sometimes, but that's, but to go back, I get residual checks from that show that are $1.12. So that's not a living wage. Anyway, pay us. Let's talk about quick hits. <laughs> Those are our quick Hey, you know what? I just, you know what? There's, there's a million white 
representing dudes out there making stuff about the the fan space, how many of them have the kind of credits we have? That's what we bring to the table, baby. I can tell you what That's it's what like to spend a week and a half with James Roday in a rainforest in Vancouver. Who else has that? Who else has that in no. the game? Who sat in a jury in a in a courthouse with James Marsden in television's greatest show of 2023, greatest new show of 2023? I don't want to say it's better than season 10, four of Succession, and, but hey. and and I appreciate that, and will add, and also I experienced new depths of fear and anxiety in the process. Uh, did not know I could I could hit while I was also performing. Incredible incredible stuff we'll talk more about that what what's happening with jury duty later today later today later today we're doing a 14-hour podcast um, oh my goodness in, in the actual pieces of uh fandom news kathleen kennedy was on a podcast called the dagobah dispatch great podcast name um where she said the they asked she said that obi-wan kenobi could still return, perhaps even in a movie. She says, I always hesitate to say no more Obi-Wan Kenobi. Maybe we end up doing something that gets incorporated into some of the other stories that we're doing or eventually into a movie, but who knows? I mean, do it. That's what I'm saying. Just do it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being not like the, uh, the Marvel executives who always just say, no, these people are never coming back. When we all know, it's like, when the money's right for everybody, every, everything we never thought would happen always happens. Fleetwood Mac got back together. If you can get Fleetwood Mac back together, you know. Anything is possible. Yeah. Anything is possible. Thank you. Hey. Thank you, Kathleen, for continuing to be a bright light of rationality. Yeah. When Garfield and Tobey Maguire show up in our Spider-Mans and then it was teased online for that it wasn't happening and then it happened. Anything can happen. So that's just that's just what's happening. Anything can happen. Ray and Kylo Ren kissed. I mean, anything can happen. So. Anything can happen. <laughs> Kenny and I are actually Batman and Superman. That was a that was terrible to reveal that online. Now that people now our now our identities and now our families are in danger. But you know it's fine. <laughs> the the fact that like it's a funny comedic premise because it's also absolutely true of whoever gets chosen yeah. <laughs> they also by the way the person who gets chosen to be superman kind of has to keep their identity secret to keep their family safe mm -hmm. yeah they'll, they'll come for you because there's no way you're gonna get unless it's henry cavill they're, they're gonna hate whoever superman is oh yeah and i don't know how they feel i mean i definitely don't feel like people online are precious about ben affleck as batman but there's they're precious about Snyder and he's a part of that. So less wow. said better about those uh, chodes those and chuds. But uh, when asked, uh, Ewan McGregor earlier this year did say that he said, I really hope we do another season. If I could do one of these every now and again, I'd just be happy about it. And Hayden Christensen said, I'd love to continue with this character. You know, I think there's certainly more to explore and I would be so excited to get to do so. Hayden will be in Ahsoka. That's confirmed. So he gets to, but i I want to see I want to see Ewan's hair. I want to see just to see the fact I want to see mid graying going on. You know, cuz he's at he's at full white and we're at like so the the Obi-Wan show was nine. He got nine more years. He's got to be fully gray by the time you know uh, Luke by the time New Hope happens. 
there's an infinity of stories you can tell about his time there. I mean, they they we've talked about the episode or the issue rather of Star Wars comics that you know Kersantin is in as he's hunting Luke as a child. And they didn't even get into that at all on in the in the miniseries. I would just like to see more Black Kersantin. Black Kersantin, one of the highlights of Book of Boba Fett for sure. But, but you could do a monster of the week thing with Obi-Wan on Tatooine, where it's just who's he gotta fight in secret to keep Luke safe this week? I mean, and you can also go, <laughs> well, and sometimes he also has to go to like, I don't know, Hoth or something, you know, just to keep the variety going. Cause I'm to be honest. You know, Star Wars is like my favorite thing ever. Way too much desert going on for me. I, uh, Not a fan. 1,000%. Yeah, we. if there's one planet we've definitely explored, it's Tatooine. I don't think like, we need Tatooine. I'm 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 like I hate the desert in real life like the you know the landscape's beautiful whatever. I hate the desert in real life and I love that so much of science fiction in the last 100 years has been predicated partly on the idea that it's a fantastical thought that people would want to live in desert climates. It you know what? <laughs> a hot take it is to me. Right? Thank you. <laughs> yes. It is a you know I and this is coming from someone who just spent a month out in Palm Springs. Palm Springs in the spring? Hell yes. We'll do it every year. Have me back, Coachella Valley rep. Put me in your shows. Oh, yeah. Palm Springs from like late April to early October. Why do we do it? Why? It is so uh, epic yeah. hot there, man. 110 degrees May 9th. No, thank you. Why yeah. would you do that to yourself and loved ones and possibly animals that you you might bring with you? Yeah, people uh, hard pass. Like, oh, yeah. Las Vegas is an up and coming city. No. Why? I don't never need to live there. Like, thank you. We're like, we're oh, 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 wait, are you, are you moisture farming out there? Is that what you're doing? Cause <laughs> otherwise, why? Yeah, are, you, yeah. are you digging for spice? Like what is happening? Come on. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Kenny. I just, it just came across on, on, on Mastodon. They found a sandworm out there. That's why they're out there in the desert. They got um, that valuable sandworm uh, carcass or whatever. We don't know if the sandworms are responsible for the spice, you know, the chicken or the egg. Um, in other cat, we only have <laughs> casting news. Um, this is this isn't really in the cape space, but this is for Josh Makuga, who, uh, uh, you know, is one of the co-hosts of the fan-controlled show every week. He runs the podcast. He hosts another show on Mondays uh, on the uh, fan-controlled Twitch stream. He's a bad boys guy. And I'm a fan of this casting choice because I love this this actress, Rhea Seahorn. Did you watch Better Call Saul? Uh, off and on. It is absolutely criminal that it took the final season for her to be nominated for uh, an Emmy. She should have won every single season. She was her acting on that show was fantastic year in year out. She was a just wonderful performer. And she was announced that she is cast in Bad Boys 4. I don't know why we decided to call the third one for life when you could just call the fourth one Bad Boys for life, but whatever. But it's currently shooting in Atlanta. So that's one of those movies where they don't need a writer on set, apparently. But that's happening. Bad Boys for Loco. Oh, Bad Boys for Loco. What a great... <laughs> that's... I hope you're listening, Sony Pictures Entertainment. I'm in the game, Actually, baby. That's what I do for a now. living. I hope you don't listen when we're talking about Knights of the Zodiac. Yeah, the minute we start going into the main topic, 
make a hard left pivot and pivot. <laughs> yeah. Um, very, very excited about this. I don't, they don't, we don't know who she is playing. Uh, I would love for her to be some sort of replacement for Joe Pantolino who died in the last one. Spoiler alert, just because she's great. I just want her to be a working actor in things. She's fantastic. And I think, you know, she's, it, I think there's a lot of rules that have been kind of bent about, you know, your career in the entertainment industry. One of them being, uh, you know, you can do movies and television. Now it used to be like, if you went from movies to TV, it was like, Oh my God, you made this down step. That doesn't apply anymore. It still does apply sort of that ascending to movies and big feature films is an ascent. That is a big step up. And I'm, I'm here for it for her, man. She's, she's a super talent. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Alex, do you play Minecraft? I have played Minecraft. Why? There is a mine <laughs> there is a Minecraft movie, and this is a movie that has been in development for quite some time. There was at one point Sean Levy, who directed the Adam Project, who directed Free Guy, which was like an, a movie that happened that made a lot of money. Um, he was attached. He left at one point, Rob McElhaney from it's always sunny and owner of Wrexham AFC was stepped in to replace him as director. And Nick and uh, Steve Carell was supposed to star um, at one point, Nick and Nora's infinite playlist director, Peter Solit was involved. Now it is apparently Jared Hess from Napoleon dynamite. Okay. He's directed to play this in this movie. That is, Jason Momoa has been cast, Aquaman himself. And then do you watch What We Do in the Shadows? Oh, yes. Uh, apparently, uh, Matt Berry is in negotiations to star in the Minecraft movie. I don't know how you make a narrative feature about a video game where you build stuff and dig for things, but apparently that's happening. But... You Matt Barry and something done. I done. I, I yeah. Yes. I it's what do you need it to is do? it is a it is a high trophy on my mantle that I have been favorably compared to Matt Barry on more than one occasion. Oh, a step away uh, from the business. You're set. You're good. It's my it's my it's my career mission and goal to become the American Matt Barry. A B. How do you make a compelling narrative out of Lego? Well, I will. Yes, you're right. However, Lego had. Lego has IP because it's built under the Warner Brothers pin. So you can create characters, but all you can also loop it around. Lego Batman is in Lego movie and all the different world. And Minecraft does have that, but Minecraft, you build your, well, I guess you build your own avatar in Minecraft. Yeah, whatever. Sure. And there, there are, there, there are existing pieces of IP such that the, the kind of default male skin, Steve, has appeared as a character in the Smash Brothers series. The Nintendo, you know, that's a Nintendo, and Nintendo's very pl precious about their platform. You don't see Mario anywhere. He's a he's the Mickey Mouse of video games. They've locked, they lock off their titles. You don't see like, oh, it's available on all these systems. No, Mario's only on on Switch. The the the, the uh, Smash Brothers title is all about Nintendo IP until this last release, in which they integrated a Final Fantasy character, and then this. Steve, who was enough of a big deal on his own to to generate a lot of like, I don't know, there's a lot of discussion online about it. So there is 
there is something there that's already kind of inferred and implied. It isn't as blank a slate as Lego is because Lego is a concept, at least with Minecraft. You got a world to start from. There's animals. There's like there's a world below it with evil. Like there's all sorts of inferences you could make narratively that I can see. Like they, they'll still have to like Lego movie it or Dungeons and Dragons movie it, which is like, Ooh, how do we better comp? How do we, you know, how do we integrate the actual player experience into this, into what you're experiencing as an audience member with this movie as well? Like, how do we reflect that in the way that I think Lego and Dungeons and Dragons did so well? Here's what I'm going to propose, and this is a this is a goofy pitch, but if you're oh Kenny, yes, yes, I've been waiting for so long. Yes, the answer is yes. Oh no, sorry. Oh, not, not, not the pitch, not the pitch <laughs> you were hoping for. Um, shoot it first person. Make the camera like shoot it all POV, and then Matt Barry and Jason Momoa are like taking you through like an adventure or something, and that's the difference. That would make it feel like Minecraft. I like that idea. I mean, I, I've thought about the similar challenge that I'm sure they're they're just busting fucking ass, pardon my French, <laughs> about at at uh, Nintendo's Nintendo's IP studio is how do you do a Legend of Zelda movie to follow up that Mario movie? And, you know, oh, Link, 100%. your main character, is famously silent. I mean, in the game, he's talking to people, but you never hear his voice other than like efforts. <laughs> oh my god That's, yeah how do you cast link it's timothy chalamet anyway of course bleach his hair spank his ass send him out there to hyrule chalamet's timmy 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 timothy chalamet <laughs> in other casting news there's another movie that's shooting that apparently is shooting in new york and it doesn't need a writer on set although i do believe this script is written by the director and the producer. That's how Andor is getting around not having a writer on set because Tony Gilroy is the showrunner and has final say on script. It's a, it's a loophole. Um, but the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel is happening. Did you see the first one? The Ghostbusters I, Afterlife? I, I did. I, I quite liked it. Yeah, great movie. Uh, apparently Sigourney Weaver has not been called to appear in the sequel. That's, that's the news. That's, that's the headline. Hmm. Well, I mean, okay. That's, yeah. that's certainly people's option to exercise. I don't know. I don't have an emotional attachment to that piece of news. Should I generate one for clicks? I don't know. I, Hold on. I'm fucking pissed. What? There's not going to, there's no Dana. There's not going to be Dana in the movie. There we go. I did it. There is, there is no Dana, only Zool. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Kenny. There isn't a, uh, the, it, it hasn't been confirmed that any of the original ones are going to be back, except Ernie Hudson is for sure. William Atherton is coming back as Walter Peck, which is incredible oh, news. My God. The antagonist yes. EPA director from the first, may I please see your storage facility is one of the, <laughs> I mean, he just, the line reads, <laughs> yes. the line reads by that man in that movie are just incredible. The, of course, think of the, think of the two different kinds of prick he has to play in Ghostbusters and then Die Hard completely oh. different the same kind of impediment character but a completely different tone and he knocks it out both times that dude is a 
treasure Real genius too real genius oh my god i mean just he is it i mean imagine like where your calling card is we need you to play a smug dick and he's like tell me when give me the call sheet baby let's go I'm going to reach out to Mr. Atherton, Atherton directly because I know he's listening. Bill, you just make the call. We'll have you on the show. Well, you, you no it. questions asked. You get on here. I would absolutely love everything about that. We do have um, Paul Rudd is is coming back. Carrie Coon, who is wonderful. I love her as an actor. Kumail Nanjiani is going to be in this one apparently, as is Patton Oswalt. Let's go. But we have Carrie Coon is a super talent. Amazing. She's so good. Um, I. Uh, I don't know if we've got Bill Murray or Dan. I'm assuming Dan Aykroyd will be in this movie. He He's like, he's ready to go. Dan Aykroyd is like begging. He's there working as a PA. Hey, 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 <laughs> I just thought of this. Hold on. Just hold on. What I'm is holding. this? Is Okay. Danny Hemroyd? Danny Hemroyd? Dan, Dan Hemroyd instead of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. That's next level. Is that okay? Dan <laughs> I Hemroyd. I think that's okay. No, I get it. Dan Hemroyd. Yeah, thank Dan you. Dan Hemroyd, Dan Aykroyd. That was a play. I like that play. That was thank good. you. I just I wanted to I just wanted to make sure before I like said it on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, there's something else that I found uh, in Nerd News that I did not put in the um, show notes because I wanted to surprise you with it. Um, director of easily one of our favorite films that we've covered on this podcast, Avatar Way of Water. <laughs> oh, Kenny. James Cameron has revealed that he has started writing a new, wait for it, Terminator movie. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> oh, boy. I... You know what? I cannot wait to see what this guy has to say in this space. You know, this Terminator was one of our turkeys, right? At Thanksgiving last year, we said this is a franchise needs to needs to be done with. Yes, it needs to be yeah. done with. There, There's no this is the way he announced it, too. He was speaking at Dell Tech World and he's told the crowd that he started writing a new Terminator movie three months ago, but wants to see how AI shakes out before he goes any further. First of all, what? Second of all, come on, bro. Dude, like, why do we like there is. So like, come on, <laughs> like there is there. It, he says here too, the timing is all considering a couple of weeks ago, writers go went on strike and there's a real fear in the community that studios, we could very well turn to using AI to churn out movies and scripts. So it's unclear whether he was saying that because he wanted to see if AI could help him finish writing the script, which I'm just like, bro, read the room, but also read the room. Why are you why are we insisting on making more of these when none of them have been successful after the second one? I don't why. Well, how many of them were directed by James Cameron after the second one? None. Although the last right. one Dark Dark Fate was produced by him. I just it to me it's just like a story. You know, I was listening to my favorite nerd podcast the ringerverse this week and they did their content their concept of the show was best and worst decisions in fandom and charles home made charles holmes made this point about midichlorians and that, that's what he said was the worst thing that's ever happened in fandom was introducing midichlorians into star wars because it takes away 
like basically the, the idea of that we don't need to know everything. Like the, you, we don't need, like sometimes there can just be some things left unsaid. The force was this kind of myth, mystic, mythical, mystical thing that in that elicited wonder and we didn't have all the answers as to why. And then all of a sudden it got whittled down to like science. And so when I think about that in terms of Terminator, like Terminator two ended and we know that there's like, we've never been able to further that story because I don't think it's a story that needs to be furthered. Like we don't need to see the rise of the machines or whatever. There's not the more compelling story is this idea that it's out there and we don't, you know what I mean? And we don't know that it's, and it's about trying to stop this kind of evil that, so we don't know the full extent of it. So when like in the second one, when Robert Patrick is, seems unstoppable, we don't know, we, we don't know the future that he's at. And then to now have all these sequels where we've seen the future or further, th- it's just like that maybe that's just something, a story we shouldn't tell. Well, I, I, if I'm, if I'm just looking at the lowest hanging fruit to pick, I would say they just, they go further back. They've only been, the Terminator movies have only been concentrated on the same closed loop of time. That's from like the development of Skynet and, or like, uh, what's his face going, you know, uh, being born Eddie Furlong's character or whatever. John Connor um, must live or die, but what if they like oh we have to go back to the beginning of any digital anything it always becomes this evil thing so we have to go even further back that's the lowest hanging narrative fruit that's how you do something that's different i guess i guess pay us to write that after the strike is over um yeah ironically you know who played um john connor in terminator 3 rise of the machines an actor by the name of nick stall who was oh, in yes, the movie that, yes that we saw last night, Knights of the Zodiac. But before we get to Knights of the Zodiac, we have to get to this uh, podcast is on the fan-controlled sports entertainment network, the fan-controlled TV podcast feed. We want to hit that sports part hard with one piece of sports news each. Alex, I assume we're going out to the raceway. We are going to the raceway. And actually, a bunch of quick hits in in their own right here in the world of open wheel racing as we head into a weekend that is every race fan's favorite. Two of the jewels in the Triple Crown of Motorsport happening this weekend. The uh, Grand Prix at Monaco and the Indy 500. Very, very exciting time. And uh, in advance of that, actually, in the world of F1, um, we had some intrigue as... Aston Martin announced that their engine partner for the new formula starting in 2026 will be Honda. Now, I know that there may be some more casual paddock watchers out there scratching their heads saying, didn't Honda get out of the F1 game? Well, they did, and they have before, famously in the 60s and again in the early 2000s. But as is business's nature, it is uh, following the money. And there is something about F1 engine development that scratches an itch over there in the headquarters of Honda. So, uh, Kenny, back to you. I love all of that intrigue, and what a great weekend this is going to be for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, I'm not happy for me. It's been a terrible sports weekend for the past sports Sorry, buddy. The Lakers swept by the Nuggets. At least they fought hard till the very end. Anybody who thinks we should get rid of D'Angelo Russell can eat it. Um, Arsenal... Lost one nothing to Nottingham Forest, therefore making it so Manchester City won the, premier, the premiership. Arsenal was on top of the table for 
70 to 75 percent of the season that was very disappointing um so i'm gonna go into some news that is very uh uplifting very good news uh Brittany garner spent almost nine to almost a full year in a russian prison last year uh over just some absolute nonsense and she is you know was eventually was negotiated to be come back to the states she was back on the basketball court. She played the the Phoenix Mercury, played against uh, our Los Angeles Sparks in a season opener. It was great to have her not only back in the States, but back doing what she loves, doing what she is very good at. And I will say, as a Sparks fan, the Sparks did win the game. So it's like a win-win. It was great. I, I Yeah, that's a, that is a win-win. Terrific to see her out there. I caught I either that gr- game Brittany or Griner. one of the... Brittany, Brittany Gr- Griner, Griner, yeah. I, um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna correct you at the Thank end of the you. show in the corrections Griner. section, but um, yeah, I, I, I think I caught some of that game, and I'd never seen her play before, frankly. And you know, look, let's take the net pun intended positive out of a terrible situation of the the you know being imprisoned in Russia, but you know, the spotlight that it shed on women's sports, I don't think it can be uh, underestimated. Yeah. Uh, women's basketball watch it it's current WNBA has been uh is is the season just kicked off not in a football sense but in a basketball sense tipped off that's a better analogy also and I will say I will say like the NBA broadly I feel like is one of the sports that has some pretty progressive organizations and people outspoken within it as an org as a league it's pretty progressive but the WNBA went like oh progressive you want a progressive league out there hold my beer I mean, they obviously, as as players and coaches and staff, generally a lot more at stake in that political conversation than a men's team. But uh, yeah, go for it. Go Sparks. Go Sparks. Alex, speaking of somebody who's been going hard, I know you've been going at it, trying to find us corporate underwriting, finding us sponsors for our shows week in, week out. Alex, who's the corporate sponsor for the show today? Well, uh, I actually, it's a local organization. They're really focused on bringing, making a difference in uh, the, like water. They want people, you know, hydration is important, but also sourcing is very important. So our, uh, our corporate underwriter this week is Arledge Farms Water. It's okay. the most sustainably sourced water on the market. Artesian and artisanal water is the best thing you can drink. And we want to be the best company bringing it to you. And we're the only water company that makes a guarantee right on the bottle that our product is piss-free. So Arledge Farms, <laughs> piss-free water. Now that's fresh. <laughs> I'm glad that a water company finally has the courage to say what we're all thinking, which is like, did someone piss in this water? Well, wait wait until a later ad read when I literally use the word courage. But yeah, they say, it says right on the bottle that's piss-free water. Now that's fresh. That's fresh. Speaking of fresh, we are just diving headfirst into some piss-free water. Into an, <laughs> into, it's a little pissy. It's a yeah, little pissy. Into an area of the fandom space. Like, I think, it. you know, part of this idea of doing, uh, covering this movie, not just because it's out, but also just because, um, you know, g- fandom is global and it is not just something that, you know, there's large IP that are popular all over the world, like Star Wars, like Marvel. But, you know, there are other forms of fandom content that are popular as 
you know, and some of these equally so. Uh, we're talking about anime, whether that's um, animation, whether that's manga or manga, however, I've heard it being pronounced both ways. Um, right. We specifically are going to be talking about the movie Knights of the Zodiac, which is originated as an anime and a manga. Uh, Saint Seiya is the the animated movie and show back in the 80s or 90s not sure i do know the manga was around the 80s the manga is great i really like i will say we'll we'll get our takes on the movie in a sec in a second but alex what is you are somebody who has more of a relationship with anime correct right i i mean like almost my whole life and in varying you know i i've been i'm i've been a fan of animation my whole life in general i've always really really liked it and immediately anime was presented as something that was animation but something different than what you would get in the US like animation for you know most of my life growing up was for kids at least that's what was broadly offered you know on TV major movie releases children there it's oriented at children and anime was out there the whole time like I, brief glimpses of it that I'd see at like a comic book convention or something where these like really very cool designs, very precise animation. Like, you know, you see these robots move in very intricate ways, very highly detailed animation. It was really eye catching as a young person. And again, it was something that was, it, it, I mean, I think the same thing would be like if I'd seen different kinds of comic books, if I was like, if, if I only thought the stuff like the Care Bears or something was out there in comic book world, and then I saw Superman and Batman, I'd be like, whoa, same reaction. Um, and then you know, always kind of kept abreast of it. I saw Akira at a young age, um, Ghost Ooh, in the nice. Shell, like all you know, and, and it, it also was like, oh, there's there's boobs in it sometimes, and like the my yes. my parents don't know, <laughs> so, so you can, like you know, they, they they're you know you, your parents are looking at the cover that just has cartoons on it. They're like, sure, but you're like pretty sure the red headed one gets her top off in this one. That's what that's what <laughs> Sam Ito told me. <laughs> Yeah, that, sorry to put Sam Ito from eighth grade on blast. You just like Sam, loyal listener of the show, Sam Ito. Yeah, well, and that's I by the my... way, I was thinking about Sam and Sean when you were saying like anime in your life. Like they were these two guys that were always sitting around me in, this, in our, the same classes in junior high, and these dudes had like bootleg Dragon Ball Z stuff before wow. really anybody in America was watching Dragon Ball, and all these like weird, crazy designs that you could tell there was some kind of mythology some kind of lore behind all of it that was really intricate and you know it would so that that was it was on the periphery in that way too it was always kind of like very interesting and like oh there's again there's this whole world out there that i kind of don't know about that's very very you know lore heavy and deep and has its own culture yeah totally uh for me personally i am not somebody who was really ever into this. I love that analogy you put about how, you know, animation was always so centered towards kids. And I remember being a kid when, you know, Transformers were big and then there was um whoever Transformers was Hasbro, right? Right. And then Kenner Toys came out with GoBots, which is like a direct ripoff of although they think they argue that GoBots came first, whatever. They're the same things, they're robots that transform into stuff. <laughs> And then there was Voltron and Voltron is based in anime, but is kind of like, but then I remember Robotech 
was something that came out as a show, which they brought over from Japan. And Robotech was one of these shows that was like, you know, everything was all about robots and fighting robots at the time. So I think somebody just must have been like, oh, we got this show. And I remember watching a kid and being like, people are making out in this show. Like people are in love in this show and they are like making out. And I'm like, is this show, should I be watching this? This is, seems like <laughs> And I was like, and as a kid, I was just like, I just want to get to the robots. I just, why, I don't want to see people kissing. I want to see more robots fighting. Like I turned on Transformers. You know what I'm going to see in 22 minutes? I'm going to see some robots fighting, you know? Right. Well, well you know, and the, the thing is like, Ro nobody's writing Robotech as a commercial for toys. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's that that's the main difference when you're talking about anime is and the way I the way like storytelling and IP is approached. So if we look at like Knights of the Zodiac and you look at the animated properties and the manga, it is I mean it is based in a lot of like frankly conflicting things like it's greek mythology but then it's also called the zodiac because they're i i did some you got to read the manga and get a little bit into the cartoon to really understand uh, do i what do i what, have to well what the lore is but basically it's greek mythology but based inside the constellations so that's where the zodiac but it's not like scorpio it, it's just that's but it's very inconsistent, but in terms of what the anime and what the manga approach to the storytelling towards IP is like, okay, these are things that we use as kind of backstory, but it's not anything that they're pushing. You know what I mean? Whereas like, you're well, right, like a lot yeah. of American stuff is based on selling toys. The, and I think the Zodiac to me, it, not to equate everything across the board, but I think that it provides the theme around which your costumes and powers are going to rotate in the same way that like the Power Rangers every couple of years would choose a different like, oh, we're all dinosaurs this time. Oh, we're all, uh, you know, we're totally. all like m mammals this time. We're all whatever dragons. Uh, it's it's a motif. And it and it like also so it's it just becomes the motif into which all of your tropes slot. Oh, your your uh, wise old man character is obsessed with uh, Hellenistic antiquities. It's not dinosaur bones. It's Hel Hellenistic an antiquities. And, yeah, and our our we're calling the power of the stars, not the power of the dinosaur bones. Yeah, and I think that in a lot of anime and a lot of manga, it's about it's more about the characters and their interactions in that space, as opposed to there's a lot of just like accepting what somebody says. Like when someone does like an exposition dump in a manga or in an animation, specifically like this series, the Knights of the Zodiac, the Netflix, the most recent series, which is kind of what this movie is based on is people talk expositionally and it's more just to be like, yeah, 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 this is, this is the backstory. This is what this power is. All right, let's get back to like what we're trying to do. And then everyone just kind of accepts it. No one's ever like Marnie. It's been six years since I got the Pegasus armor. Of course I know how to use the Cosmo power. Yeah. You nailed it. You nailed it. So <laughs> <laughs> before we want to talk about the movie, I do want to talk about the animated show for a minute because the movie being a Sony property, I, I as a Sony employee, I just have to say that it is a Sony property. That's what I'll say so far. 
but <laughs> talk about animated, damning with faint praise. The animated show, the animated no, it's a great, it's a great foray. It's a great foray into the a live action uh, anime space. We own a lot of crunch. We own Crunchyroll. We have a lot of potential anime IP. Why not start making some live action IP? Um, the animated show on Netflix. Wow. I just got to say. No, bad. No, don't. Wow. It is. There is something that is newer, which I don't see a lot of animation studios doing. Um, but the particular animation studio beside behind this, which is to, Tonai. Toai. Toai. Thank you. Um, they chose to, with this most recent series on Netflix, to do like the digital kind of stop like a digital anime style and terrible boy it is there there are scenes that characters are in and it's like that old thing with the polar express where like people's eyes look dead Mm -hmm. they look so dead and because they're like the anime style they're (laughs) big they have those big (laughs) eyes and people are in scenes and it's terrifying like with you're not talking in a scene it looks like your soul is you look soulless like there is just yeah life at all it and and the computer animation itself is so imprecise and artless that it just doesn't like the thing doesn't deliver on any level to me i'm you know unless i i i can see being a fan of the franchise and going oh look they're moving you know, but it, yeah. it's, I mean, there's a, there's a time jump something. that they do not explain in like the second or third episode when he's, they, they skip his whole training. Like all of a sudden he's at like the end of a six year process at a big fight and he's bigger. And you're like, wait, I went back like three times to be like, did I miss something? Is totally. there's just like, they like maybe cut three scenes out and all of a sudden he, and he says something, this is what I trained six years for or something like that. Yeah, it's and like, whoa, what's wild, okay. I'll tell you that that's actually how it happens in the manga too. The comic. So when we watch, so we started watching the. We posed this idea, wanting to talk about this movie and wanting to talk a little bit about anime and hit something that we haven't really talked about in this space. It, you know, we started. Wa- he, Alex and I both started watching the show, and we were both like, "Yuck, this is this, this is a tough thing." I did. Then I found the comic online. Uh, and then reading the comic, that does how it happens in the comic. Chapter two, he just jumps ahead to like six years later of his training. But you do get some backstory to his training. Like a lot of that rock breaking stuff that we see in the movie, that's that's in the comic. Um, looking through the comic, I finally went, oh, okay, I get this. Like, I get this. I get how this is cool. The comic panels are really cool the story like a lot of it like started clicking it just looks so much better like than the than the digital animation just it just doesn't work no it, it's absolutely really atrocious and like you can't it, it was just bad on all fronts um and i i tried to read you sent me a link to some of the manga and i i have a and i always have had a very hard time with the re reoriented reading i i'm I really have a really terrible time with it. Yeah, it's it it it's it's definitely an adjustment, but once I saw that and saw what the the potential of this was, I was like, oh, okay, I I get this. I, I actually kind of dig this story. I do want to actually read the rest of it, but we had to go see the movie, which we did see the movie last night, and I will say as a, again as a Sony employee, 
you know, we, we own Crunchyroll. We have a lot of access to a lot of anime IP and let's try it. Let's try making uh, a live action. Alex, what was your reaction to the movie? Oh, as a non-Sony employee, I would the, I would just implore Sony t- the next time around to put some Sony dough behind the thing if it's going to work. Because I I really had a hard time with this. Like I think I think that it was I think it was a good exercise for you and I to to go and watch this to to spend time with it and in the way that we have. Um, because it didn't it didn't always used to be like this everybody remember a day when you weren't sitting there waiting for like the the movie that has three miss marvels and captain marvels in it remember those days remember remember when they couldn't wait you couldn't you couldn't kill a guy to make a spider-man movie yeah like there was just a this is what fandom used to be there'd be something that looked like oh what is this this got people flying around in it okay i'll go see and it's some mid-level half-assed adaptation of a manga anime that has Mark Dacascos in it. I don't know how many times in my life I've been in a movie theater seeing a crappy adaptation of an anime that has Mark Dacascos in it. He deserves better. But it's, you know, like, go make another Crying Free Man. You know, put him in a good Crying Free Man this time and leave these poor constellations alone. I had a bad time, Kenny. I had a bad <laughs> time. I am not one of these so bad it's good people. I'll watch a super cut of the room on YouTube. I I had a bad time. Yeah, and I and will, it really reminded me of bad times. I will tell you, um, th- this movie definitely starts from a place of where it could have been like, oh, I, this 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 thing gets it. Like this this thing is definitely could have been like so like venom. I wouldn't say like venom, but like in that vein of like, we're definitely taking this not as seriously as we need to. We're having some fun. I will say I thought the fight sequences were great and a lot of fun. I, I thought especially initially before there was too much Guga, the the fights were cool. And the display of superpowers was really cool and restrained. I think that 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 was about where it was. The movie was so inconsistent in, in all aspects. The effects were all over the place. You could oh. tell the money was yes. was catch as catch can. And so, frankly, was the art design, like the, the art direction, the design of the movie. There were there are sequences that look like softcore porn. <laughs> There's like the dinner table sequence where they're sitting there. Like the, the wardrobe is terrible. They like the, the costumer is somebody who went like, Oh, she's a, she's a, this kind of character. Oh, her character has a connection to the ocean. Put a seashell on her, put a seashell around her neck. And some like it, it like very, very inarticulate in artful filmmaking across the board with some very high points. The, the, the martial arts and that stuff is really cool. And, but, but, None of the page to screen stuff, the bad yes. guys costumes, the good guys costumes, none of that stuff works. It all looks again. It's those mid 90s bad anime adaptations starring Mark Dacascos there. They, I put this in the show notes and um, like, I don't think this is out of bounds for me to talk about. I, I there there is a. There's a lot of things that you said that I'm very much here for. Um, 
But the one thing I do think that I think was a missed opportunity, and I would like to put this out to future adaptations, is that if we're going to adapt a famous animation property, a famous, um, you know, we're going for a live action manga comic, I feel like they could have hit that harder. Like, I feel like some of the fight scenes had good energy, which I thought the fight scenes were good and like some good camera moves. But like, dig in. Like, what if this was like, you know, Scott Pilgrim fights where we actually like just go for it, like make some really goofy background and put bam in the background when someone's getting hit or something. I don't know, something that really makes it that differentiates this from what this is. Like this is a live adaptation of, you know, a popular Japanese animated television show and Japanese comic, like let's, how can we make this look different than other things that exist in this space? I think that was just a missed opportunity because it just, it felt like we were leaning more into what people would want, like what a broader audience would want, where I think you could have just leaned in and made it more like what it's supposed to be. I, I'm going to, disagree to come back around and agree with you in that I think I love that I love a circular argument this this movie needed to be more of what we've seen it needed to get up to a level of a Marvel movie or something because the bar is so high now it's true that you you like you have to be able to compete at a certain level or differentiate or you know, everything, everywhere, all the time, make it stop was like they, that cost that movie. That movie cost a buck fifty to make. And it looks amazing because, you know, they're choosing cameras and lenses in a different way. I mean, these are you're comparing Thomas Kincaid to Picasso, I'm sure. But like <laughs> something, something that somebody in the movie just went like, hey, we could make this something instead of uh, Ocean Girl put a seashell on her. The whole the whole fight sequence where they're in the pit fight that's basically like it's like how did you how did you take the matrix and squeeze like the art out of it like everything used, about that went, was evocative and wrong. They went to Marvel and said, "Hey, when you guys are done using that Shang Chi fight sequence set, can we just borrow that for like an hour?" Um, yeah, can we FedEx that to Bulgaria or wherever the hell we shot this movie? I think that to me, the, the, yes, you're, you're right. I don't, I'm not going to comment on budget. Sony is, that's how we make movies. But I will say that there is, I felt like there was also, we, in terms of sticking closer to the story, this, we've mentioned a bunch of, we mentioned already how there's like six years of training. So when this character, say, a, who is the throughout any any iteration of this? He is the main character, and I will say, in the animated show, he does wear this red shirt, this red T-shirt in the animated one that has the deepest, like, cut of the of the neck I've ever seen on a T-shirt. It's like a deep V, but but like not a but not a V. It's a deep circle cut on a shirt. It's very weird. But can I can I go ahead? Yes, I, I, I have, a, I have, I do have a note about page to screen, you know, animated screen kind of transitions as well here. 
Well, let me just, I want to get my point out about the fact yeah, that sorry. I, what I was, what, no, no, what I was going to try to say is that I think there was, you know, there's, this happens sometimes when we're adapting or trying to start an IP and how do we start, how do we do origin stories? How do we, how do we, you know, a lot of these movies, whether it's Shazam, whether it's, um, uh, Shang-Chi or Captain Marvel, how do we, how do we introduce a character. And I think what this movie I thought could have got more mileage out of is if we, it seemed like we were trying to do a lot from the comics and once, whereas it, we should just like, I would have loved to have seen, because in the book, in the book, there is more training with him. It is six years. And then you see some of the backstory and you see, and you have this character who is wearing a face shield with no talking and, that's like a lot for someone to just like see and take in. And they yeah, just that was... yada yada it. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't explain they don't explain it in the book, but like I just think there there is an opportunity to like not rush this, especially because you they're definitely angling to make this as a as like a property, you know. They only say knights of the zodiac at the end. Like now we need to gather the knights of the zodiac. Oh, okay. So we have, yeah. we're going to do that now. If that's, you could have, I'm just saying we, there, we didn't have to cram it all in to one movie. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that that's something that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find the scrubber on, I think. Cause like you can, you can also go too far the other way, you know, and, and, and not include vital elements like, but also there's there's a lot like there's a cosmos and a universe inside you and it's yeah i mean i think i think the a <laughs> this is this is a weird this is like yeah obvious but like a better group of filmmakers could have done a better job of it like articulating yeah ar articulating that stuff and cramming it artfully because i think if you if you have if you start with him training already like that's the beginning of the movie and the rest of it's kind of told in flashback as he's you know, whatever he's training, trying to break the rock, then you, you get the appropriate sense of the time he's training. You're also filled in all the narrative to that point. And then it propels you into your third act where you go, you know, rescue or whatever. Yeah. They, there's, it's like a combination of things. They take a little bit of the comic and a little bit of the TV show because the TV show, first of all, we just big shout outs to Sean Bean. I mean, Hey, How many yeah. times if Sean Bean shows up in your piece of fandom content, he is definitely dying. Is that I does he have a death wish? Like I just want to put that out there. Like I will only do a role in your movie if I get to die in it. And he spoiler when he's alert, when he's say, spoiler, he dies in this movie. <laughs> and when he's saying that to you, he either says directly or with his eyes, it's the only way I can get hard. <laughs> it's if I don't die in your film. Then I can't. Then I cannot achieve an erection. Um, that's my. He's he's there. definitely we we've talked about this role before. The person who is like the immediate gravity, like lends a weight to everything with their, like the gravity of their performance. You know his his furrowed brow and his raspy voice and everything. Immediately you're like, oh yeah, this is a this is a thing that's happening. We can be serious about it. He's he's Alec Guinness. Yeah, exactly. And so his character is in the animated series. And in the animated series, he's there. And Sienna, who later becomes Athena, is there. But in the 
in the comic, we don't, at least in the first couple chapters, you don't see Athena. It is all focused on Seiya. So I think that they were trying to kind of do both at the same time because the animated series does that too. I, I just think there are things that they that I think I would have liked to have seen, which for instance, uh, Nick Stahl, I, I said his name earlier, <laughs> the guy from Terminator 3. Yeah, his, sure. His character in the comics is this huge guy with a mohawk and kind of like, weird looking character he's huge and that's who and Seiya has to fight him in order to gain the pegasus uh armor and it's this really great in the comics it's this really great fight in the show it's fine too but then that's how he uses the like you learn about the pegasus uh he does the form of the pegasus or does this like hand gesture that's like mimicking the constellation the pegasus constellation and that whole thing. And it makes it, it just, there's a lot that this could have done or had to do. And there, I feel like the ch choice, a more powerful choice would have been to do less uh, narratively. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think, I mean, it's hard. It's a hard mission to go into with a group of people who are so you know bad at their job. But uh, which I know you can't you can't say that you can only acknowledge that this is a Sony movie and that is a, a, a piece of truth about it. But yeah, I, I think you do have to strip away and and just because you don't present it doesn't mean it isn't true for the fandom, you know, the, that the exclusion from the narrative doesn't make it not canon or whatever. And you you leave that stuff for the next movie you're so clearly trying to set up. Yeah, do you, I was going to ask like do you think that there is so you've seen other live action anime um adaptations, do you think there is a way like what I was talking about where I said where you can make it feel more like an anime is that something you would want to see? Yes, I, I mean I think Scott Pilgrim did it really well. I think that yep. there's there's enough room there to play with how the styles can overlap. And and yeah, I think that I mean, you know, everything everywhere all at once did it. Uh, you know, playing with those visual conventions and stuff. Um, yeah, that would have and again, that would have been something, but these are people who are these these people the people that made this movie put things on film they're not filmmakers they point cameras at things and 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 document them as they happen according to the script they were given scorching and i scorching can i hot takes Love like it. like like the the guy your main character the street rat ruffian main character who's pardon my french a dickhead to everyone and abrasive I think people forget that it works in anime because he probably has a giant head and big eyes. So it's a little <laughs> bit ridiculous that he's going like, I'll have that Pegasus armor in three years. You know, you can't hold yeah. me back. You sound and, just like every single anime VO artist. Well dude, done. that's that's what it is. And and so what you're do like, you, what do you mean? I can't do that. Get out of here. I'm going to go. Yeah. Bye. 
Yeah. You're just trying to keep me from rescuing my sister. Uh, and it, so there's an inferred sort of ridiculousness to it. It's like, oh, you're a little pixie man. But like when it's a a 25 year old with a with a six pack and a and a very deep V neck. Holy cow. Uh, just telling everybody, like, I don't need you. I'm going to go out of here. Like the 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 melodrama attenuation. He he was doing a terrible job at it. Was very poorly directed. As was his opposite number, Phoenix or whoever. We, Athena? Kenny kept laughing about his. No no no, the oh, villain guy. Oh, I have him written. I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to take at least five to ten to seventeen okay. full hours on him. Then I'll pivot to Athena because I actually totally thought she was she was in a whole different movie her performance was dynamic and she did the she's best great. with what she and was given she was great she is her name is madison eisman she is in to i will pump up sony she is in a lot of rip she is in um uh jumanji welcome to the jungle and jumanji the next level she is one of the kids who then gets sucked into the game and then is played like Jack Black is her avatar in the first. Movie. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, and then she's uh, she's a horse in the second movie, which is also hilarious. And then she is in Goosebumps 2, also R.I.P. Um, yeah. So she's, also Jack Black. That's what was missing from this movie. Jack Black. Jack Black should have played Saya. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> My kid, sidebar. <laughs> My kid sings the Peaches song from um, Super Mario, Mario Brothers like all day. It is like her favorite thing. Everyone sings it. And then when I told her, I was like, you know, Jack Black, he has a band, but unfortunately, <laughs> I can't play any of his music for you. <laughs> have we seen Tenacious D together? Maybe. I think we might have. I've seen him like five times. I think we may have. Yes. They're wonderful. The greatest band in the world. They Yes, the greatest band with that has the greatest song in the world. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, that's who she is. Yeah, she was she was good. The performances are are what they are. There is there was a point in the first when like uh, Saya gets in with uh, Sean Bean and he like I don't he kept just saying like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Stop, start talking sense, man. And that was like multiple scenes of that. <laughs> like he like meets him and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he wakes up on the airplane and he's like, what are you talking about? And then he wakes up in the, in the, like his like place where he keeps all the statues. And he's like, what are you talking about, man? And I was like, you're right. There was a way <laughs> to do that because that is how it would play in an anime. But I don't feel like they were that, that, hit it as hard. I would like to have seen that hit a little harder. Now I want to spend the next, the whole rest of the podcast talking about this guy. Let's do it. Phoenix. His name is Diego Tinoco. And first of all, sidebar, I just want to say that he became the Phoenix, which was like a reveal. That was like his, uh, you know, uh, say as the Pegasus, that's his constellation. And then his constellation, it's the whole constellation cosmos of it all is like, there's a lot to go into there. But he he becomes the phoenix and attacks Famke, Famke Jensen, who <laughs> played in three separate movies, played Jean Grey, okay. who becomes the phoenix. <laughs> like, that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, she, they, they, somebody, and they there was an opportunity there to say something about it, but they didn't. But this actor... 
I don't know whoever, I don't know if this was his choice or if this was the director's direction, but the choices that this person was making was wonderful. And I'm very much here for, and he had a way about him. He talked like this. He sounded like he was a British person doing an American accent. You know how sometimes British people are like, I'm talking in an American accent right now. Hey, you get over here. I'm trying to talk to you because I'm American. He sounded like that, but he also didn't move his teeth at all. So it was just this very, it was such a choice. I found out today that he is from Ohio. He is not a British person. No. I, I just assumed he was some sort of European person doing an American accent. He is not. He is American. So now I need to know if that's how he talks like all the time, because I need to know because it was a choice or it was just how he talks. It was incredible. It was so serious and earnest and like very chew his words and everything was very growly. And and yeah, either I, I love both realities. I love the reality where the director made him do that. And I also love the reality where he came in with that as a choice and nobody told him no. I, yeah, I love both those. I feel like him and Nick Stahl stole, I think it's the latter one. They knew what was going on. They knew that they, what this was and they were like going for it. And they were just like, okay, this is what's happening. And uh, there is a scene at the end of this movie, which <laughs> there, and this is something that I posited. I actually have written jokes about this. Like this, you know, all this like Guga is going on. Athena is using her powers to potentially destroy the world. It tears off all of Seiya's armor, the Pegasus armor, his shirt, pants somehow fully intact. This thing is literally ripping, <laughs> ripping his shirt off of his body, pants fully intact. And it did the same thing for Phoenix Guy. And so there was this point in the movie where after, you know, uh, Athena, Seiya is able to, to bring Sienna back and and she stops the destruction and everything is great. And he's holding her and he has his shirt off and he stands up and to say that it looks like his muscles are about to explode. Like that's how ripped Saya looked. I mean, just like we were joking about last night, like he would Bruce Lee hooked himself to some electrodes and was like shocking himself just to get his yeah. <laughs> muscles to look that intense. And then cut to off in the distance, we think that the bad guy, Phoenix, has died. But no, he's still there. And apparently his shirt has been ripped off as well. Not his pants. His pants <laughs> Not are his pants. fully intact. And then he <laughs> is not as ripped as, <laughs> as this actor. No. And so the camera was far away. But just the like look that he was giving, this like imposing look. I mean, just perfection, just an absolutely perfect performance from him, T to B, top to bottom. Well, uh, Kenny, also, I will, I will, uh, there is a long and rich tradition of narratively conveniently strong pants in genre fiction. I point wanna, you to the I Hulk. My, I want to do my bit. I wrote, I wrote, I have a whole series of jokes about it. Do you want to hear my, my stand-up bit about pants? Let me hear the pants bit. Let me hear your pants chunk. My pants chunk. I don't know if I have it off. I'm if I'm off book on it. I might, but I'll. I'll. The gist of it is like why 
why does the Hulk, we're supposed to believe that uh, this man's body expands to the point where no shirt can contain him, yet his, somehow his pants are intact. Why wouldn't he just wear a, an outfit made out of the same <laughs> material as the pants? Like, why wouldn't yeah. he just wear like a Canadian tuxedo at all times? Jeans, just... shirt, jean bottom, so that that way when he becomes the Hulk, <laughs> he doesn't have to wake up with like, damn it, like just pants. And why is the inseam still intact? Like you're trying to tell me <laughs> that like the arms are so bulky that it rips all the seaming in the shirt, but then the pants, somehow the inseam is still intact. Like he should be wearing a minimum minimum. It should be some sort of like jean hula skirt with the <laughs> dong hanging out. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So like if, you know, if if he had only got himself connected with some kind of factory that made only purple corduroy clothing, he could have he could have been set all through the seventies. Here's the here's looking the, good here's the, and in untorn clothing. Here's the here's the button of the whole bit. I mean, we all have a great pair of jeans, but they're not that great. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my little stand up routine about the Hulk's pants. <laughs> I love but, that. That's a great chunk. But watch, but watching that, and then it's like I know it's like in the back of our minds, we all know, we all know why the pants aren't coming off because you can't because we can't see like, their dickuses. Yeah, you can't just have dicks on screen. <laughs> which I mean, we can, <laughs> but if you're trying to make this as a mass product that you want everybody to see, you can't just have like dongs out. But like that's what should be happening. Like if the power is so intense that it's tearing off armor and shirts like the pants should be gone like to have them like tattered is laughable they're like come on yeah i i argue that this is this is even dangerous in a you you should in a property aimed at children show the people get so damaged that their pants are torn asunder and their dicks are out because now are, are you not inviting the same kind of jumping off the roof with an umbrella because a wily e. coyote sort of mimicry like kids going oh yeah blast me blast me with the flamethrower i'm wearing pants <laughs> thank you i'm glad someone is we're having this conversation because the number of pant related injuries <laughs> due to people <laughs> believing that inseams and pants are going to make it through and it's like, hey, it's okay. I can go into this burning. We can, you know, you can you can put that acid on me. I've got pants on. Like, you know. Look, it's it's even it's okay that the the calf part gets torn away. The thighs will hold. Yeah. Oh my god, that's another it's a great point. Because it's like we, the only thing that gets tattered is the bottom part. And so it's like, okay, so the calves are going to like for the Hulk's case, the calves are huge, but I guess we have to assume that his quads and hammies are like lacking, and that's why they can't or the glute muscles are like, you know, but in the Hulk's case, he's got like superior jumping. So I, it doesn't make any sense. And for some of the golden age of Hulk's like career, he's spending time or, or at least Banner is spending time in pants that you could argue would accommodate those. He's in bell bottoms, you Thank know, you. like the, the, the calves blowing up to that size. You'd argue that that's like the perfect pant for hulking out, but it would just still tatters. There's no reason why Bruce Banner couldn't be wandering all of, you know, wandering throughout the world wearing like a corduroy jumper. Come on, man. Think about it, Bruce. You're supposed to be a super genius. Everybody's like, 
I'm sorry. Get your head on straight. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time paying attention to you telling me how you could technically create a ray gun to just defeat this uh, uh, villain attacking us. Because are you wearing a full corduroy jumper? I'm just having a really hard time (laughs) focusing and believing that you're like the smartest man alive. And he's like, trust me, it's for comfort. It's like, you'll get it. Make me angry and you'll get it. Because I I just, it's it's hard to pack. (laughs) Because I have to constantly pack like shirts, but I only have like one pair of pants. <laughs> so I gotta wear this purple corduroy jumper. So anyway, Hulk smash. <laughs> yeah, and I love that the thing about this movie, The Knights of the Zodiac, was that the the shirt, both of their shirts came off. Like at the end, they're both shirtless, but the pants are like tattered. I love. I was like. Why are the shirt? Why are their pants? Why are their pants still intact? It like it like literally stops. Like it's showing like the which is the, another case of the effects of this movie. This sequence, the effects were pretty dang good, of like everything, poor like peeling off and everything peeling off, and then it just stops at his pants, and it's like, come on, like that. Why would that stop? Why wouldn't it? Like it's like, oh shit, denim. Like, we can't. We can't. We can't. We can't <laughs> penetrate denim with our. Like whatever cosmos ray we're attacking with. Yeah, you got you gotta unleash some pretty deep cosmos to affect denim. Like fair is fair, but you gotta really unleash some cosmo to tear a pair of five oh ones. Ah, great. MVP of the movie, of course, Diego Tinoco. So good. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Cosmos. Cosmos was oh, well, said <laughs> arguably ten thousand times in this movie. But did you have a sense as to what Cosmos was at any point in the movie? Only because I watched a couple episodes of that terrible computer animated one where they kind of explained it, but they did it in that explicit anime way. Yeah, they um, do it. They do a good job of it in in the comic, and it's really the and they do say this in the movie. But I feel like this. I don't remember them saying Cosmos in the animated show. Is that what they said? Yeah, they called it Cosmos. They said you you draw on a universe inside you that you're made yes. of. Yeah, it, it. But yeah, it's like it. Be, it's just a noise they were making at a certain point. It was like it's as if they were barking, just yeah, nonsensical. It's, it's just if you say it enough, they were trying to will it into existence. Um, but in the comics, basically, you're not going to make Cosmos happen. Yeah, uh, Sony Pictures is excellent. We um, the in the in the anime in the in the comic. When uh, Seiya is training with Marin, it, you know, you get it, it opens on this like six years, but you get some of the backstory, which you get a little bit in this movie, as I've teased, is this idea of breaking the rock. And, you know, if you can break this small rock, you can you're harnessing. And so in the course of her explaining that in the panels of the comic, she talks about the cosmos and the universe and how we are all which is like a you know a concept based in science which is basically like we are all made up from the same particles that exist in you know we are made of stardust we you know we the things that created the big bang still exist today and we are built with that and that's kind of like we have a universe that exists inside of us and it's done in a cool way in the comic like it reminded me of when marvel like when those great panels of like galactus and how like galactal galact galactal Galactus's face is like half a face and then the other half of the face is, you know, is the cosmos. Right. And you get these cool panels and you see 
Seiya through the years trying to smash this rock in a background of the universe. And so it links up. You get that kind of tangible um, viewing of he's literally harnessing his own, the own, the power of the universe that we all have. So it's, that's like, that's an explanation that I feel like if they would have, I think the thing that I would have wanted to see more of is just the thing that I think works the best in the comic and in the animated series is the training is the, the building out the learning about what he's done uh, for the six years that he's training. And we get like six minutes of training in this movie. And what feels like two days, maybe like there's like three sunsets and he's already like breaking rocks. We, we, we've, there's a way to get the audience to forgive your time jumps. And these people just didn't, again, it's, it's, it's an artfulness and a kind of a filmic literacy that nobody involved in this production had. There's a thing too, like where like he, he's in the same outfit for like, I don't know, four weeks. You know, oh yeah. He, Homeboy uh, smell bad. Homeboy smell bad. Yeah. And in the in in an animated show, that's often what happens. You know, in animated shows, people wear the same thing always. And I just think there there is a way to make the movie, if we're gonna make it feel more like an animated thing, then we need to hit that a little harder. Otherwise, I'm asking, why isn't this dude changing his clothes? It's 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 I think it's people one of the key probably failings is like something we talk about a lot is they failed to approach it with the proper amount of seriousness, not to say that you abandon it or you go. But I think that they went all the way into taking it all the way seriously and and not attenuating it a little bit, making it a little bit goofy. But it, well, again, it takes scenes. a certain sense. I feel like the fight scenes, whoever the stunt coordinator was, I think did a good job. There were a lot of like kind of otherworldly things. There's a part where they're fighting and he like jumps over the octagon. There was like things that I thought were really cool. And those are the pieces that I think should be focused on. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, you if you know you have that in your back pocket you figure out a way to to make that a more of a focus of your movie hey oh um is this star trek <laughs> is this star trek or star wars this is a tough question uh i would actually i'm gonna say star wars because it made me think of star wars in the sense that you have you know from a narrative standpoint you do have a lot of place setting and you do have a lot of training and talking about the world that takes place while people are sitting. But the wise choice that they made, especially in like the first Star Wars, is a lot of that takes place on a spaceship. So you're moving as you're talking and you can do cutaways. You know, they they cut away to the guy getting in a fight. Nick Nick Lowe, what's his, Stoll, what's his name? Stoll. Nick Stoll. By the way, I kept Stoll. wanting to... El Corey Stoll. It's Corey Stoll. It's, Cor it's Modog. I kept wanting to elbow you and be like, that's the guy that was married to Hillary Swank, right? But oh, I couldn't. Is that what he, yes, it was. I who can say? Uh, it, it's well. I don't even remember what I was saying. Jesus Christ! It's Star Wars. I think this. Is yeah. Star oh, Trek. oh. So, so you can keep cutting away to us to a ship that's moving through space to make people remember they're in a cool thing instead of just like, hey, let's do all the talking in front of these friggin' rocks. 
Well, it's the it's the lesson of the rock breaking. Uh, to me, this is Star Trek only because Star Trek is the only other thing that likes to kind of yada yada Guga like this movie does. Like Star Trek is very much like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is, you know, on this planet, there are 47 Bozarks and the Bozark gives power to the to the Gar the Garnax and, and everyone goes, uh-huh, and then moves forward. Like Star Trek loves to operate in like, different sounding stuff and just being okay with it immediately is star trek you know what i'll say i think in the same way that i i may i may have come up with a new classification if you'll follow me here because i think we're both I will right go wherever you go i as long as there's one think, footprint in the sand i i think we're both right in the sense that we have we have something that's committing the sins of both and so i think what this is it's a black hole Wow, we are interested. This is this is interstellar. Um, <laughs> no, wait, is it black hole? What's that Disney movie that came out right after Star Wars? The black hole or the dark, black or hole. The dark hole? No, it's the black the hole. Black starring, hole. Anthony, starring Anthony Perkins. Love that movie. Yeah. Um, so so this is this is the black hole. This is something that that commits the sins of both without rising to the level of either. Okay. Your words. Um, so <laughs> these in no way reflect the opinions of anybody employed by Sony or the Sony organization or nope. people named Sony or Sonny. Nobody. This yeah. is just me. Yes. Um, just you. Uh, big winner. Who's winner? Winners and losers. Who's the winner for, for you for Knights of the Zodiac? Uh, it's it's uh, you know, what? it's me. No, it's not. You know who it is? It's it's Captain John Phineas AMC who invented the movie theater that we went to last night. He's the big winner because he got me for concessions and a drink. So oh, you congratulations. Went, you went big last night. You walked in and got like a hot dog and nuggets and a drink and a double makers. I was like, whoa, we are going. We're having a night out, baby. Yeah, I was taking myself on a date. I loved it. Um, the big winner for me is still very much... Um, Diego Tinoco. He just really, the energy, everything that he was doing, I need to know everything about what his choices were and why he made them at all times. Brilliant. I mean, brilliant, brilliant performance. Loved every minute of it. Big Loser is fairly obvious. I mean, there were so many indescript European scenes in indescript European city along the ocean. And there's no reason why Sam's boat couldn't have been there. I, I think that too the, the the kind of the motif I was talking about earlier, uh, you know, where you're moving while you're training, all that break the rock BS could have taken place on a shrimping boat as it made its way up the Mediterranean uh, through the whatever in in Europe waters. Uh, I think though, I think I think though that this one is something that you and I, as the day one boat stand kings, are maybe a little relieved. To have seen our favorite watercraft avoid a, uh, a a rocky shoal that it's steered clear of gladly, perhaps. <laughs> I will just say that Kevin Feige put it in a damn movie already, please. Would you, put it, Kevin? Put it in a damn movie. Alex, do we have another ad read from um, the, the water? We do. Company? Speaking of water, speaking of bodies of water. Arledge Farms uh, Waters, they they want you to taste the calm of a babbling brook in every sip, safe in the knowledge that their water is absolutely piss-free, and they're the only company brave enough to make that guarantee right on the bottle. You ever try to ask Fiji Water about when they stopped letting piss get in it? Good luck. Arledge Farms Water. Now that's fresh. <laughs> 
it's like the number one question. Every time Fiji's doing a press conference, when he yep. first question, yeah, is there piss in your water? Uh, they, press conference is over. Write an email to Fiji and just tell them, hey, when'd you stop letting piss get in it and see what they say back to you? Because they don't, they won't have an answer. <laughs> oh my god! All right, Alex, <laughs> do you know do you know what time it is now? Is is it game time? It's game time, baby! All right, Woo! I love it. Let's play. In this week's news that the world is ending, Ron DeSantis announced that he is running for president on a Twitter Spaces hosted by Elon Musk, where the microphone didn't work for the first twenty minutes, and I just threw up a little. This makes a lot of people wonder, what the hell does Donald Trump think of all of this? And of course, Trump is probably going to say some bullshit about it. And when Trump starts saying bullshit, that's when we play a game called Trump or Law and Order. Okay. The way we play the game is simple. I'm going to read a quote, and then you have to tell me if this is said by Donald Trump or a villain on a Law and Order SVU episode. Now, I don't know if Law and Order SVU counts as fandom, anything that's been around for 20 plus years and they definitely wear big jackets that look like capes i feel like we're in the same uh area here richard belzer was an alien this is true is that it's that simple was it trump or a villain on law and order svu before we start i just want to clarify the law and order svu is compared is is sorry law and order svu stands for special victims unit and it deals mostly with sex crimes so it's basically donald trump or sex crimes and i say good luck to you trying to figure this out all right are you ready woof woof okay number one i could stand in the middle of fifth avenue and shoot somebody that was donald trump a former president of the american states that was a former person who is currently running for president number two you ready hit me then you are a human being Congratulations. You're not a sheep like I was. You're a man. Thank you. Law and Order SVU villain. You're right. That is Merrick Rook, a.k.a. <laughs> AKA Robin Williams on Law and Order SVU. Ah. Rook is a bespectacled audio engineer with the grudge against authority who gets his jollies by making prank phone calls and claims to the SVU squad. He also drove a doctor he held responsible for his wife, de- whose wife's death to commit suicide. Ready for number three? It, it also fulfilled Chris Maloney's uh, lifelong dream of stage punching Robin Williams. Go ahead. <laughs> Why do you have such a hard on for me? That's former President Donald Trump. That's not. That is oh. Law and Order SVU villain Ken Turner, aka John Stamos on Law and Order SVU. Whoa, John Romain Stamos? Holy John shoot. John Romain Stamos. Turner is an affluent businessman who thinks he's doing the women of New York City a service by filling their fertile loins with his offspring via poking holes in condoms. John Stamos. Cool. He's <laughs> hey hey. There's more. There's more than one way to get people to get yogurt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Johnny, are you ready for the next one? Let's do it. She is crude, rude, obnoxious, and dumb. Other than that, I like her very much. Donald Trump. That was DTJ, baby. Talking about Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew that's who it was. It, the only thing that threw me was, other than that, I like her very much. Like, did he ever say that about her? All right. You ready for the next one? Hit me. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. 
Donald Trump. That's actually Mike Pence. Are you ready for number six? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do it. What do you think happens when this old circus folds its tents and moves on? Is there another town on the other side or is it all just a lot of nothing? Uh, that was, uh, Tom Daschle. No, that was a Law & Order SVU villain named Bertie Sullaway, played by Carol Burnett on Law & Order. Whoa! Burnett played a serial killer. Carol Burnett played a serial killer who murdered, who married and murdered several men who she deemed unworthy to remain in this world. And that was Trump or Law and Order. That was a terrific game. Well, I got to say, the to peek behind the sausage being made, I love there's some, there's some dog barking happening. To peek behind the sausage getting made, the game of that game was we were actually learning about crazy people who had starred who had starred on law and order svu as murderers that was the game within the game that's what we were actually playing that's that was uh that was a thrilling little uh little sidebar to the whole the whole experience you're welcome welcome you're welcome you're welcome um alex are you available or have the dogs have the dogs settle down i am available <laughs> okay we have one more ad read from the water folk yeah, Arledge Farms is here to say we aren't saying the other guys do have piss in them. We're just saying we're the only water company with a 24-hour feed of their vats live streamed for your inspection. Who else would go this far to ensure not only that their water is piss-free, but that you know about it so hard? Your move, Poland Springs, you – and then it says a word we can't say anymore. I mean we can say it. We, we shouldn't. So that's for Arledge Farms. Now that's fresh. <laughs> this obsession with piss, potentially piss being in everyone's water is, I'm glad that Arledge Farms is, you know, keeping us all sane and safe by not having to worry about what kind of piss is in our water. Um, Alex, it's the time of the show where we talk about Hoopla, Hoopla Digital. You can put your library card in into the app, into the computer, and you can read comic books for free. And we recommend stuff for you to read. You actually cannot get uh, Knights of the Zodiac on Hoopla. So that's not coming. But uh, Alex, you got a recommendation for the folks. Yeah, I would say uh, keep making your way through Justice League International. It's worth it. Also, if you haven't yet picked up something, this is this is something that's great in the genre space. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, um, but it's really great in the genre space, and it's uh, it's deconstructive about genre in a really, really cool, interesting way. It's called Saga. It's written by Brian K. Vaughn. Um, the entire series is illustrated by the same uh, illustrator. I can't remember their name off the top of my head. And Brian K. Vaughn may be wrong. Look, the whole thing's falling apart here at the end. Just look up Saga. <laughs> it's a great. It's a great series. That you should read, and it's pretty well. It's pretty well uh, collected in different uh, different sorts of editions on Hoopla. I love that, Alex. I am very excited about my recommendation. I went into the library, my local library. I get books there. I get um, <clears throat> a lot of books. I get the next book in the Star Wars books that I'm reading. I'm now reading the uh, the uh, Timothy Zahn 
Thrawn prequel books called Chaos Ascending or something like that. The shit, whatever. I'm very excited about it. While it it takes place in the prequel era. Sorry. So like the first Thrawn books take place that we got take place in when the empire, these take place. Yeah. These take place before the rise of the empire. Um, very excited to read this. But while I was there, while I was at the library, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see if the library has a Knights of the Zodiac. They did not. But I, while I was looking through the comic section, I found this. And this is on Hoopla. Have you heard of Batman 89? Yes. This is so... F- I don't even know if it's good. I don't even care. This is so freaking rad. It is Batman 89. <laughs> we are talking... It is, we are stepping back into the Gotham of Tim Burton's Batman movies. They brought in screenwriter Sam Hamm to write this and artist Joe Quinones. They pull it a number of threads left dangling by the film and it's basically written. It has a very similar, the, the, the uh, illustrations have a similar feel to the Tim Burton movies. It, it, he very much looks like Michael Keaton. It's, it's, I'm, I'm been reading it. It's so cool. It's called Batman 89. It just came out last year. It's so freaking rad. Yes. Because of the hype getting ready for the flash and seeing all the, the come on, let's get nuts in the trailer. I'm, I'm very much excited about Tim Burton and um, Michael Keaton, Batman. And that's what we got in Batman 89. It's very cool. I, I've seen art for the follow-up they're doing of this, and I think it features Robin, like, and it's like As the Chris Burton. O'Donnell? No, uh, it's actually. I think that the character, as illustrated, is African American, and I think that's because there was going to be a Wayans. One of the Wayans brothers was supposed to play Robin in Batman two or three they were they were trying to include robin in batman returns or burton's third batman movie that he never made wow what it what it i mean and that would have been great but instead we got chris o'donnell (laughs) sony property chris o'donnell he's not though no okay well we can badmouth him he's garbage no i like chris o'donnell he's great los angeles he's fine he's a totally he's a person um alex (laughs) What did, <laughs> what did your dogs think of uh, Knights of the Zodiac? They were very happy for me to get home because it was late. And uh, Lupo could tell I was a little bummed after the experience. And he put his paw on my thigh and he said, at least it's not like this anymore, man. I said, <laughs> you know what? You're right. You're right. I got home late and uh, my dog is usually like asleep from like 730 on. And she like stirred i got in got up and she was like genuinely like got up and i was in the bathroom brushing my teeth and i came out and she was kind of looking at me i think she was genuinely like hey how was it like i'm interested i need to know like how that was (laughs) i'm a huge fan of the knights of the zodiac anime i've seen all the saint seiya movies i'm very i needed to know so i feel like she was into it i feel like she was into it she was at least curious which for her is saying something i was gonna say she has a pretty specific if not refined taste window so that's pretty cool it's very cool alex um where can the folks find you um specifically this week well this week actually you 
you you can find me at Dynasty Typewriter Friday night. Uh, the show, the ten o'clock show. It's supporting. It's the the people people who were on the show jury duty. We're doing a show for uh, to support the striking writers. Uh, you will not be able to buy a ticket because, as far as I know, it's sold out. But totally sold out. However, there is a live stream that you can watch, and the link will be available six days after the show. So you, if you don't, if you have other plans out, you know, Friday night. Uh, you can watch it tomorrow morning or for, you know, six days after the recording. So go to uh, go to dynastytypewriter.com for information on that show. And then and then just leave me alone, would you? Yeah, I will be watching the live stream because I could not get tickets. Also, 10 o'clock on a Friday without having to get a sitter is a big ask. But anyway, um, not a big ass. It's a big ask. Also a big <laughs> ass. You can find me at Kenny G Stevenson on Twitch, TikTok, uh, Letterboxd, all, all the things. Um, Alex, we did it. We truly did it. We, this is heroes work today. We always do, man. Heroes work. We'll be back next week. I don't think we have anything on the books for next week. We know the week after we'll be doing Spider-Man. I want to throw something out there to you. I have been, I've told you I've been reading the Dune book. I've been ready. I want to, I want to finish reading the Dune book before I finally see the Dune movie. I was under the impression that the first Dune movie was all of the first Dune book, and then the oh. second, and then the second Dune movie was the second Dune book. But no, the first Dune movie is only book one that's in the first book, and then the second. So I'm actually very close to finishing the first part of the Dune book, and so we could There's, do a Dune. We could do a Dune watch next week. There are. I will caution. I mean, not caution, obviously, but there's. Uh, there are elements from later. I think there's elements even from like the second book that are referred to in the first. So like it, I, I remember watching the movie and early in the movie being like, wait, this is like later, later stuff. They're kind of toying with, but well, yeah, I mean, it, let's, if, let's do it. Let's rewatch it. Let's do Well, let's say if, if I can get there, I, I, I didn't realize I, I had the, I read the books as a kid, completely forgot everything I had read read the graphic novel last year and have recommended it here on the show. And the graphic novel was called part one. So I just assumed, and then I was, I was reading the book again, I'm reading the book and I was like, Oh, Oh no. Okay. I got it. I'm actually pretty close to where this movie is. So I could probably watch this movie soon. <laughs> so let's yeah, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Let's baby. do it. So tune in for that. And it's a property owned by Warner brothers. So I can let it rip. All right, here we go. Thanks for listening everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.